everybody, it's time to believe in the Big 12. If you're a Big 12 baller, this podcast is the place for you. Every week, we dive into the hot topics surrounding Big 12 football and even some basketball. Guest stars, former players, industry experts, conference shakeups, hoops hypotheticals, football fantasies, you name it, we have it. In the process, we'll look at marquee matchups, roster comparisons, coaching carousels, and analysis of big-time moments. You will literally feel like you are etched into the fabric of the Big 12. From the creation of basketball to history repeating itself on the gridiron, our take on all things Big 12 will have you glued to the edge of your seat. So whether you've got a favorite Big 12 team or are just a fan of the conference, buckle up. It's going to be a wild ride. Welcome to the Believe in the Big 12 podcast, a proud member of the Believe Podcast Network. Welcome to episode number 10 of the Believe in the Big 12 podcast. And on behalf of the entire Believe Podcast Network, before we kick off, I have to ask, do you believe And more importantly, for our purposes, do you believe in the Big 12? I mean, get real with yourself. Do you believe in the Big 12? Because you should. And because the Big 12 is epic right now. The whole national landscape is, really. A lot of interesting football games, a lot of interesting storylines, a lot of big news, a lot of games with huge implications. Utah trounced Oregon which had major implications for the college football playoff and the college football playoff rankings and also has major implications for Cincinnati, a soon-to-be Big 12 member. Implications. Oklahoma and Baylor didn't have convincing victories. Implications. Number 4 Ohio State absolutely dominated number 7 Michigan State. Implications. Number 2 Alabama only beat number 21 Arkansas by 7. Implications. Number one, Georgia did what Georgia does. No implications. And then on top of all of that, all of this madness had implications for our Big 12 power rankings. And again, these aren't just any power rankings. These are the ultra super massive Big 12 power rankings. Why, you may ask? Because of the implication. More on that later. Okay, plot twist. I'll tell you now. Pay attention, this is going to be a wild episode. So because, even though they won't officially be joining the Big 12 until 2023, we're including Houston, BYU, Cincinnati, and UCF in these rankings. It's only right to see how they stack up and that we start pretending like this is the new reality. Because it is. Because of the implication. And even though they're on their way out, we're going to include Texas and Oklahoma until they're officially gone. And you guessed it. Because of the implication. So, once again, welcome to this week's edition of the ultra-super-massive Big 12 Power Rankings. And we have very exciting news to kick things off in our 10th ever episode. The door is even more open for Cincinnati. Even more than last week. Last week, Oklahoma lost. Now, Oregon lost. Which means Cincinnati has to be in the top four in the country especially with their most recent thrashing of SMU. And they have to take the top spot 
in our ultra super massive Big 12 power rankings. Or I guess keep the top spot. And for crying out loud, they should be number one in the college football playoff top 25 rankings too. Not just our power rankings. I know. Bold claim. Putting them above Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State. But if there was ever a team from a non-Power 5 conference that could play with these behemoths, it's Cincinnati. Because again, for those who don't know, a bearcat is some sort of odd fusion between a bear and a cat. And we all know a mascot is the most important indicator of a team's chances. And you just don't mess with a bearcat. Coming in at number one, the Bearcats had another monumental day. Not only did Oregon lose, making the Bearcats one of three remaining unbeaten teams in the country, but they absolutely dominated a quality SMU team. And QB Desmond Ritter proved once again why he's the real deal. And not just the real deal in terms of talent, but in terms of smarts and the ability to diagnose a play before it even happens. I was really impressed when Ritter, on numerous occasions, spotted what the high safety was doing, whether they were on their heels, ready to release into coverage, or whether they were going to come around the edge to pressure the QB and try to break up a play at the line of scrimmage. And whenever the high safety came around the edge, Ritter made the right call, audibling to an option play and pitching it to the running back for a big gain because the high safety was keying on the quarterback instead. It was really cool stuff. Ritter threw three touchdown passes, ran for another score, and even caught a touchdown pass to help number three Cincinnati roll past SMU, 48-14 on Saturday. They scored on their first play from scrimmage, a deep post pattern, and extended the nation's second longest home winning streak to 26 games, keeping alive hopes of becoming the first non-Power 5 team to reach the college football playoff. And the team keeps rising up to meet the challenge its coach poses to the players. Coach Luke Fickle said, We've been waiting on playing that complete game. We challenged them before the game and again at halftime. And they stepped up and executed. And especially on defense, Cincinnati showed that they can play a complete game on that side of the ball too. Which has been a little bit of a weaker link, keeping other teams in the game at times for the Bearcats. And get this, this will show you. SMU averaged 498 yards through its first 10 games. Guess how many they got last Saturday? 199. A blocked punt, forced fumbles, you name it. The Bearcat defense did it. The only thing to watch out for is a missed extra point and two missed field goals. A game against the Power 5 team might just come down to special teams in the end. But overall, awesome stuff from the Bearcats. Still number one. Coming in at number two, Oklahoma State. And I called it. I said to look for more inspired play against Texas Tech from the Cowboys. And boy, did they deliver. I had a feeling their defense would step up. But a shutout? I don't care who you're playing. That's impressive. The offense could have done more, but it didn't need to because of the stout defense. The reality is, ninth-ranked Oklahoma State is going to play for a Big 12 championship because of its dominant defense. They shut out an offense that hasn't been shut out since 1997. 1997! They've only allowed one offensive touchdown over their past four games and have absolutely been flying to the football, just thrashing all sorts of draughts with their defense. 
I don't know what to say. What else to say about the defense, Coach Mike Gundy said. I'm just kind of running out of things to say about them on Saturdays. Hopefully, they can just stay the course. And I think they will. They've proven it. And they get some help from the offense, too, though. Quarterback Spencer Sanders threw a touchdown pass and ran for another score. And Tanner Brown kicked three field goals for the Cowboys. The defense limited Texas Tech, which had scored in 302 consecutive games, to 108 total yards. That included 25-yard pass on the final drive. So garbage time. And the best part is, if things swing a certain way for teams like Notre Dame, Michigan, Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma State could find themselves in the college football playoff. After all, over the next two weeks, Michigan plays Ohio State and Georgia plays Alabama. That means at least one more team with two losses, and probably two. So watch out for Oklahoma State. And at number three, we have the Oklahoma Sooners. They stay put. Now, to many, this looks like an imperfect season for the Sooners. But for the Sooners themselves, in their locker room, the season could still end with a Big 12 championship, and maybe more. Caleb Williams passed for a touchdown and ran for another, a huge 70-plus yard run. Jalen Redmond returned a fumble for a score. And number 12 Oklahoma beat Iowa State 28-21 on Saturday closing out another close victory. Which, by the way, is what really good teams do. Kennedy Brooks ran for 115 yards for the Sooners, who bounced back from a loss to Baylor and solidified their chances of reaching the Big 12 title game and winning a seventh straight conference title. They also kept alive their slim college football playoff hopes and did their part to set up a showdown with number 9 Oklahoma State next Saturday, to close the regular season. Now, Iowa State, this is an interesting matchup for Oklahoma. Iowa State has been a thorn in Oklahoma's side in recent years, beating the Sooners in 2017 and 2020. So it was good to see them earn this victory, and they did it amidst a lot of uncertainty. The Sooners, throughout the week, missed as many as 20 players at a time due to the flu. And they had an interception, a fumble, and a five-play 68-yard drive that was all running plays, that showed me their level of grit in overcoming that. The Sooners once again found a way to win a tight game in the face of adversity. Despite getting just 96 yards out of their passing game, Oklahoma claimed its sixth win by seven or fewer points this season. And that type of ability to win close games is what propels you to victory when it matters most. They've been there before. That's why they stay at number three above Baylor. Which brings me to Baylor at number four. Baylor had a very similar game to Oklahoma's this week, although their offense wasn't quite as in rhythm as the Sooners. But they still played a cohesive game and were swarming the ball on defense. Anytime you can hold the team to 10 points in a competitive league like the Big 12, you're doing something right. And what I liked the most is that Baylor had played poorly on the road for much of the season, and Kansas State, they've kind of been red hot lately, especially at home. And to make matters worse, Gary Bohannon, Baylor's QB, he grabbed at his right hamstring while running out of bounds, and it did not look good. He looked like he, he'd really hurt that hamstring. So what do they do? Well, naturally, they go to a redshirt freshman. Because of the implication. Redshirt freshman Blake Shapin completed 16 of 21 passes for 137 yards to steady the Bears on offense, despite Gary Bohannon's loss. 
and their defense smothered Kansas State, helping secure a 20-10 victory that kept their Big 12 title hopes alive. Baylor coach Dave Aranda said, Every situation Blake's been put in, going back to the spring, fall, throughout our practices, when he rotates through, he's risen to every occasion. That's high praise for Blake Shapman. He even went on to say, there's some gunslinger in him, and I think you saw that. He also kept going and said, we knew this was going to be a really tough test coming into Manhattan. A big crowd, on the road, and obviously, we've had some trouble in the past on the road. Baylor wide receiver Drew Estrada, he, he echoed the same sentiment. All week, we knew it would be a battle. That's a good way to sum up this game. And it was a battle, and they won that battle. Sure, a muffed punt and a missed field goal helped them, but this was still a great team win. Great morale booster. Baylor's defense showed up after holding Oklahoma to season lows in just about every meaningful statistical category in a 27-14 victory last week. That is not easy to do, and you'd think there'd be some regression to the mean. But nope, the Bears held the Wildcats to 4 of 13 on third downs and 263 total yards of offense. Great performance. Go Baylor, number four. Number five, Iowa State. Gosh, does this team fight. They're like that annoying little brother who won't let you quit playing Mario Kart until he's beaten you three times in a row. No matter how many times his older brother talks trash. They're feisty and scrappy, and they make you work for every yard. It's a great game they played against Oklahoma, despite coming up just short. But with that scrappiness comes a maddening result. The Cyclones came absurdly close to having a special season. All five of their losses are by 10 or fewer points. For some reason, being scrappy just equates with being in close games. They've lost three of their past four, all by seven or fewer points. Iowa State tight end Charlie Kolar, playing in his hometown of Norman, Oklahoma, had career highs of 12 catches and 152 yards. Brock Purdy passed for 281 yards and a touchdown for Iowa State. But, alas, they were eliminated from the Big 12 title race. This is what did them in. Iowa State got the ball at its 14-yard line, trailing 28-21 with two minutes left in the game. The Cyclones drove all the way to the Oklahoma 21, but Pat Fields intercepted a pass by Purdy with 15 seconds remaining to end the threat. Now that's got to sting after last week's shocking loss to Texas Tech on a 62-yard game-winning field goal. But that said, their mentality is intact. Tight end Charlie Kohler, he said in another quote, We never die easy, but man, we find some crazy ways to lose sometimes. No matter, though, because who returned to form? My guy, Brees Hall. Iowa State's Brees Hall tied an FBS record by scoring a rushing touchdown in his 23rd consecutive game. Arkansas's Bill Burnett did it from 1968 to 1970. So you have to go back quite a ways. So this is very impressive. And that leaves Iowa State at number 5. They're as scrappy as ever, and it's... Even though they're eliminated from the Big 12 title race, they have a lot to be happy about. Number 6, BYU. Coming off a bye, BYU wasn't as explosive as normal, which, for their standards, means putting up 34 points. So, just keep that in perspective. 
Most teams would love that. So they still got the job done, and they played sound defense. Jacob Robinson picked off two passes in the second half, and number 14 BYU beat Georgia Southern 34-17 on Saturday night. Jaron Hall had 211 of his 312 yards passing in the first half. That's how good of a start they got off to. This was never a game. And he's passed for at least 300 yards in four of his last five games. And then you've got Tyler Algier, the nation's seventh leading rusher. He finished with 136 yards on 25 carries to help the Cougars, now 9-2, win their fourth straight game. And this was the first meeting between the two schools. And BYU coach Kalani Satake, he said Georgia Southern fans were throwing food at his team in the first half. This is a great quote. We were getting hit by burritos on the sideline, Satake said. It was pretty hostile, so I'm really proud of how the guys bounced back and made some adjustments. We talked about it at halftime, playing our style of football, and I thought we did that in the second half. Jacob Robinson picked off Amare Jones' pass with a diving catch late in the third and intercepted Connor Shigelski, taking his first snaps as Georgia Southern's quarterback early in the fourth. Robinson's second pick was a sensational over-the-shoulder catch, setting up Puka Nukua's 29-yard reception in the left corner of the end zone to set up that 34-17 lead. And guess what? Now Tyler Algier, he has the most rushing touchdowns in the nation. And let me tell you, Georgia Southern interim coach Kevin Whitley, well, he immediately noticed how big of a presence BYU had. When they came out of the locker room, I didn't know if it was the Buffalo Bills or BYU. Now that is a compliment. He went on to say, my God, these guys are big. Very big, very physical. They lived up to everything I thought they'd be. They're a national program. So I knew a lot about the staff, those guys, before this week. That's some high praise. But here are my only areas of concern for BYU. I don't love that the game got within four early in the second. But overall, it was a convincing victory, so I'll give them that. But that got a little too close for comfort, especially with how great their offense came out the gate. The Cougars lost linebacker Max Tooley to, who, you know, obviously his name is Max, so I'm, I'm biased towards that. But their leading tackler at the time with four solo stops, Max Tooley, he, he got kicked out for an ejection for targeting midway through the second. You can't, you can't make mistakes like that. I don't care how difficult the rule is. If you're an impact player, you can't let that happen. Puka Nakua also went down with an injury a few snaps later, but he returned in the third. Nakua's temporary loss was further exacerbated by the injury last week to standout receiver Neil Pau'u, who will miss next week's game too. The Cougars are bowl eligible, though, for the 16th time in the last 17 seasons and fifth in six seasons under Satake. This victory has very little implications for polling, but it's nice to see BYU come out of a bye in full form. Because of the implication. Next up at number seven, Houston. Yes, the other Cougars. They leapfrog Kansas State. And Clayton Toon, he was at it again under center. 264 yards passing for a touchdown and a rushing touchdown to boot. Number 17 overall Houston has now extended its winning streak to 10 games. Now, Clayton Toon was picked off twice, which isn't ideal, and that snapped a streak of 192 consecutive passes without an interception. 
but he still led them to a 21-3 halftime lead, and they didn't let up after that. They didn't let the interception stop their momentum. He said it best, We just hammer through whatever adversity we are faced with, Toon said. Whatever challenges it is for that week, we keep hammering and playing. We don't let outside noise and distractions get in the way of what we are trying to do. It just speaks to the character of this team and what we know we can do. That's an awesome quote. They really know how good they are, and they don't care what other people think about their record or the the record of their opponents or anything like that. And their ground game, ground game was very effective too. Tejon Henry rushed for 73 yards and a touchdown, and Alton McCaskill, he rushed for 58 yards and a touchdown. That's a nice one-two punch right there. Most importantly, Houston was 8 for 15 on third downs. That's pretty solid, and I've heard many times that the game is won on third down. And they give themselves credit for it. We are a good team, Houston coach Dana Holgerson said. We finished the American 8-0. We've won 10 in a row. It's hard to win in college football. It's hard to win every week. I'm very proud of this football team. I second that. You should be. And only the second Houston team to go undefeated in conference play ever this year. So you may be thinking, and rightfully so, why are they not in the race for the college football playoff? Well, they have just as good as a record as everybody else, except Georgia. Well, because of the implication. The implication that things might go wrong for them if they did play a Power 5 team. Not that they will, but the fans and the officials selecting the the college football playoff participants don't know that. They're thinking that they will. They have no proof because Houston hasn't played as difficult of teams. So, okay, it's an implication of danger. Danger that they would get demolished on a national stage and make the college football playoff selection committee look bad. But hey, as you can see by all these quotes, Houston knows they're good and they'll keep sticking to their game plan. Number eight. We have Kansas State. Pretty disappointing loss here for the Wildcats, I must say. Although it was good to see them hold Baylor's potent offense to 20 points. The only thing was, they lost to a redshirt freshman who had to come in due to an injury. Oh, and they only put up 10 points. The Wildcats also muffed a punt that led to the game's first points, and Chris Tennant missed a 39-yard field goal that would have made it a one-possession game with 10 minutes to go. Sixth-year senior Skylar Thompson... He was just 15 of 29 for 158 yards before leaving with an injury in the fourth quarter of his final home game. You hate to see that. But Deuce Vaughn, running back, picked up the slack. He had 128 yards rushing for the Wildcats, but I will say most of it came on a 65-yard touchdown run, which says a lot. And even then, that run only happened because Baylor jumped off sides on a fourth down punting situation. They probably would have traded that 65-yard touchdown run for more consistent drives where they just matriculated the ball down the field, to quote the great Hank Stram. Kansas City Chiefs shout-out right there. The Wildcats really lost control when they gave up a seven-and-a-half-minute drive to Baylor, in which they gave up multiple third-down conversions and one fourth-down conversion. And while the veteran Skylar Thompson played poorly under heavy pressure against Baylor, the Wildcats have proved to be better with him on the field. Because of the implication. The implication that something might go wrong for them if he wasn't on the field. Case in point, Jaron Lewis replaced him with a few minutes left Saturday night 
and threw an interception on his very first pass. Tough sledding for the Wildcats, but they can feel good about their effort and sitting in the middle of the pack at number eight. Number nine, we have Texas. And oddly enough, they play Kansas State next. So maybe they'll have a chance to redeem themselves from their struggles lately and jump back into the middle of the pack. But I wouldn't count on it. Because of the implication. The implication that now their bull hopes are officially dashed. So far, under first-year coach Steve Sarkeesian, it's been a struggle. And I like Sarkeesian's coaching abilities. So I thought they would put up much more of a fight this year. But they just haven't. They just haven't. And that's the truth of it. In their game against West Virginia, they let quarterback Jared Doge throw three touchdown passes and let Letty Brown rush for 158 yards and a score, leading West Virginia to a 31-23 victory and handing the Longhorns their sixth straight loss and eliminating them from bowl consideration. Texas couldn't overcome another double-digit deficit. The Longhorns will finish with a losing record and miss a bowl for the first time since 2016. The losing streak for Texas is its longest since it dropped eight in a row in 1956. We just haven't broken through yet, and that's the biggest frustrating part, Sarkeesian said. Every game, it seems like there's a different story to tell of why it didn't happen. I hate it for the guys because they bring it every day. Texas never led in this game, but had two chances to potentially tie the score in the final three minutes. For example, the Longhorns drove to the West Virginia 30, but on fourth down, quarterback Casey Thompson was intercepted by Sean Mahone at the six. What did work for them, I will say, was big scoring plays, and they can hang their hat on that. But every other facet of the game struggled. Because of the implication. Number 10, TCU. They beat the second-to-last team in our ultra-supermassive Big 12 power rankings. This was a game where running back Kendra Miller and the sure-fired leg of their ace kicker, Griffin Kell, won the day for TCU. Look, I know it was Kansas, but I actually really like this win. It was back and forth, and their defense didn't play as well as it could have against an offense that has sputtered for most of the season. But... They didn't panic when Kansas took a lead or came back to tie the game. And it was a ground-and-pound victory. Four rushing touchdowns, two of them huge breakaway runs. That alone helped them overcome two turnovers. Quarterback Max Duggan ran for a touchdown and passed for 166 yards in his first game since October for the Horned Frogs. Duggan, who missed TCU's two previous games with a foot injury, set up the score with a 42-yard sprint down the left sideline to the two. Their coach went as far as to say as, if we don't have him, we don't win, period. And another special moment, they weren't done honoring Gary Patterson, whose 21st season as TCU's head coach ended on October 31st. So he stood outside the stadium tunnel, and along with his wife Kelsey, greeted each of the team's seniors as they were introduced before their final home game. Patterson waved to the crowd after the introductions and headed up the tunnel. His 181 TCU wins are the most for any Frogs football coach. The Frogs are trying to reach their first bowl since 2018 with Duggan as their only healthy quarterback and number one running back Zach Evans sidelined with turf toe. But you gotta, gotta love the grit to fight through that. 
They've showed good resilience, and that's why they round out the top 10. Number 11, we have West Virginia. What a win for West Virginia. Even though it was against the reeling Texas Longhorns, it was still an impressive victory. This was definitely a trap game for them. The implication that they'd look terrible if they lost to a Texas team stuck in a downward spiral. But quarterback Jared Doge, like I said before, he threw three touchdown passes and Letty Brown rushed for 158 yards and a score en route to a 31-23 victory. And the Mountaineers, guess what? They're 4-0 this season when Letty Brown surpasses 100 rushing yards. Case in point, the offense looks strong and the defense looks stronger. Texas still does have an explosive offense, and they got some big plays, but they never led in this contest. Kicker Casey Legg, how perfect is that name, by the way, had plenty of leg on his 45-yard field goal that put the game out of reach for West Virginia. West Virginia snapped a two-game losing streak and kept its own postseason hopes alive, but they do have to win their final game next weekend. Number 12, Texas Tech. Well... That was a dud of a game for the Red Raiders, especially on offense. They literally did the worst thing you can do as an offense, besides turn the ball over, and that scores zero points. Football is a humbling game. The highest of highs last week, lowest of lows this week, said interim head coach Sonny Cumbie, whose Red Raiders had 41 points and 529 yards and a home win over Iowa State last week. We just feel like we just did not play very well. That's all he had to say. The Red Raiders, who hadn't been shut out at home since 1987, had 31 total yards on 28 offensive plays in the first half. That's terrible. They lost yardage on nine plays, including two of four completions by redshirt freshman quarterback Donovan Smith before halftime. He finished 9 of 28 passing for 83 yards. A week after finishing 25 of 32, for 322 yards and three touchdowns in his first start. It just doesn't make sense. This team is just not very consistent, so they stay at number 12. Number 13, Kansas. They stay at lucky number 13. They showed the same exact fight that encouraged me to put them at number 13 in our rankings. Not just encouraged, but compelled me. Because of the implication. The implication that if I didn't put them at number 13, I'd be banished to hell forever. Kansas trailed 28-14 early in the fourth quarter before Jalen Daniels threw touchdown passes of 28 yards to Luke Grimm and 10 yards to Jared Casey, the unlikely overtime hero and the Jayhawks' win last week at Texas that snapped a 56-game Big 12 losing streak. 56 games! And Kansas almost won consecutive conference games for the first time since 2008. So, that's not really great, but also is exciting because they got close. But I just love the effort and intensity they're playing with these last two weeks. I don't care about all that record stuff. Even though they only have two wins, it sort of feels like they salvaged something this season. In a season where their head coach was fired in unfavorable circumstances. We go down 14, it's usually lights out from there. Quarterback Daniels had to say, I was happy and so proud of my team for fighting. They didn't give in like usual. And number 14, to wrap things up, UCF. And dang, I really wanted to put UCF at lucky number 13. 
after this convincing victory over Connecticut. Although Connecticut is absolutely abysmal. So that's one reason why. And also you have to keep the bigger picture in mind. And you just can't ignore Kansas's spirit in the last two games. The wheels were in motion for UCF on Saturday. Big time. Don't get me wrong. Quarterback freshman Mikey Keene threw two touchdown passes and ran for a score. And Johnny Richardson? Well, he added 147 yards on the ground and a touchdown as they cruised to a 49-17 victory over Connecticut. The ground game looked really strong. Keen looked sharp as a tack through the air and on the ground. It was a really impressive performance all around. Another victory like this to close the season, and they probably won't finish in last place. But for now, they round out our ultra-super-massive Big 12 power rankings. So, for the top spot in our ultra-super-massive Big 12 power rankings, it's down to Cincinnati, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, and possibly Baylor if something crazy happens. And it's likely going to be either Oklahoma State or Oklahoma winning the Big 12 title. But these teams all reign supreme in the Big 12. But like I've said before, there are a lot of teams in the middle and the end that are just chomping at the bit for an upset. And they are bound to play spoiler. Because of the implication. And now, if you haven't figured out by now this implication business, that's a reference to my favorite TV show, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. So, It's Always Sunny fans, I hope you're listening. And what is the implication that I've kept referencing? Well, it's the implication that we don't know what the heck is going to happen. Folks, we've got more madness on the horizon. So we'll see you back here next week to break it all down. And remember, be sure to share this episode with a fellow Big 12 baller. Stay tuned for more shenanigans, and thank you for listening. I hope everyone has a happy and safe Thanksgiving. Because of the implication. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.